Hello to all out there in the world of Facebook and the internet. Glad to be with you today. Bill Allen coming to you uh, from Tyler, Texas, and I hope that you have had a good Lord's Day, that you have had time to be able to share in God's Word and to share in prayer and communion and uh, fellowship with other uh, believers in Jesus Christ. We are looking through a study of the book of First John right now, and today we find ourselves in First John chapter 4. Uh, that speaks quite a bit about some things that are uh, very relevant for us today as they were in the first century. As you read through uh, letters such as 1 John and others, you are uh, struck, if you're paying attention anyway, <laughs> you are struck by how similar their world was to ours and how many of the same things that we go through today, they went through then as well. It looks a little different because 2,000 years of history will do that, and yet there are so many things that are the very same. And uh, so already seeing some wonderful friends uh, coming on to the study, uh, the Murphys and the Allards, wonderful great friends in Arlington and here in Tyler. And I know that we'll have some others join us either live or uh, a little bit later on in the study. So let's get to it. Hopefully your Bible is open to 1 John chapter 4 or your cell phone has the Bible app open to 1 John 4 and, uh, and we'll be able to get into this lesson. This is really uh, beginning of the heart of the study of 1 John, which uh, is actually uh, maybe a little bit deeper into it than the beginning because in chapters 3 and 4, uh, John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, uh, speaks so very much about our call to love one another. But uh, a part of that, of course, J Jesus' two great commandments to love God first and to love each other, our neighbor as ourselves. <clears throat> John focuses a lot on the second of those two, but in this passage he's focusing more on the first and specifically loving God enough to be faithful to his word and his will. The Apostle John speaks about biblical Christ-like love uh, throughout these, uh, especially throughout these sections in 1 John 3 and 4, but in, this, in the middle of that um, is this passage that uh, is a great reminder uh, to remain faithful to the word and will of God, and, and I think it's here for a reason. It's here in the midst of this passage about loving each other uh, because that is what following God means. It means to love others and to love neighbor as self. So let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4, and we'll just read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll kind of go through them. You can separate it uh, through verses 1 through 3 and 4 through 6, but really, seems like it is a unit. And then uh, the rest of 1 John 4, starting in verse 7, is a huge and wonderful call to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love our brother and our sister uh, in Jesus Christ. So, 1 John 4, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, 
who's them? Well, I think it's the spirits that are against Christ, the false prophets. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 4, verse 4. What a great and powerful statement. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. <laughs> You're probably thinking the same thing that I'm thinking after that last statement. Gee, John, I wish you could have been a little bit more specific and a little clearer. And yet John says this is, this is as specific as we're getting. And so let's think through these passages, these verses, in this great passage, and it all centers around that verse 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so we already know that we've won. We already know that we have overpowered, that we have that great victory in Jesus like we sing about sometimes. We already know that Romans 8 has been written, <laughs> that the book of Revelation has been written. And it's not just something that says um, we, we are hoping for victory, uh, we hope that one day we can be victorious and overcome. It is Paul saying in Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation. Now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is Paul saying at the end of Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Revelation reminding us that the Lamb has overcome and that we have the great victory. It's still being played out on some battlefields and that's the battlefield of your life and my life and our world. But we know uh, that we have the victory. The great verse that we'll mention again later in John 16 verse 33, Jesus telling his disciples right before he was to be arrested in front of their eyes, and, and uh, convicted and crucified, nailed to a cross, Jesus tells them right before those things happen that uh, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. Peace, the peace that Jesus brings doesn't mean no trouble in the world. Um, in the world, you will have trouble, he affirms, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Very audacious for Jesus to make that statement knowing he was about to be crucified by people who had given themselves over to the world. And yet that is exactly the case. I have overcome the world. And the empty tomb stands as a great witness to that fact and that truth. Um, so let's take a look at this passage. If you notice on my a title of this lesson, it says, God Greater Than Satan. That I hope you remember that uh, symbol from your math days. Uh, God Greater Than Satan. God is greater than Satan. Satan is great and he is very powerful. And he's very good at what he does, trying to turn us away from God, trying to drive wedges that bring about division uh, among his people. But, um, but God is greater. As powerful and great as Satan is, God is greater, and uh, God uh, will not allow Satan to overcome our faith unless we choose to let him. And so 1 John talks about that in a, in a very great way. In the first few verses, he's talking about false prophets. 
And he's affirming Satan is good at what he does. It sounds good. It sounds good. We talked about this a little bit in our Bible class this morning at West Irwin in our Family Life Center about God's sovereign will and, and sharing some things that reminded us of the temptations that Jesus faced from Satan. Remember how Satan challenged Jesus and then after Jesus answered that first temptation with scripture, it is written, then, then Satan himself tempts Jesus and uses scripture to do it. That's as old as uh, the Garden of Eden. Satan trying to tell us what God's will is, trying to tell us what God said, what God has written. And we know that his, his teaching and his prophets are false. And so that's what chapter 4 of 1 John, verses 1 through 3 especially, tell us. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, well how do you know which is which? Verse 2 says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Earlier in 1 John chapter 2, we had spoken about the Antichrist, literally against Christ. And here, John reaffirms that it's the one who doesn't acknowledge Christ, that it's the one who uh, doesn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's the one who doesn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh and lived and died for our sins. That is the Antichrist. And just as we said in that earlier lesson, uh, John affirms in these verses that even in the first century, 2,000 years ago, there were many Antichrists in the world. There were many false prophets. And that's the same that is true today. People get all beside themselves thinking, is the Antichrist here? Are, are we in the last days? And the answer to both of those questions is yes. There have been Antichrists and we've been in the last days since the pages of the New Testament were written. And it doesn't mean that we don't take that seriously. It just means that we don't let that overcome us. That we realize that that battle continues to rage and it's been raging. Uh, since the beginning of Satan's temptation in the garden, uh, through the history of the Old Testament Jews and the kingdom of Israel, uh, to the time of Jesus walking on this earth and then ascending into heaven and beginning his church uh, over almost exactly 2,000 years ago. And, and it continues today. And so we don't need to panic about that, but we do need to remember that there are false prophets out there and true prophets out there. There are some who claim and, and hold allegiance to Jesus Christ as Lord and to his word as the rule of faith. And there are others who don't hold on to that. Well, how do we respond to that? Well, I want us to look at a few passages of scripture today, starting in Colossians chapter 2. We'll mention some, we'll read some, and then we'll look at the last part of this uh, passage from 1 John 4. But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul, in the first century, says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. There are lots of philosophies out there that are hollow, that are deceptive, that sound good on the surface, but that they don't have that, that substance that comes only through Jesus Christ. 
we skip down a little bit to uh, verses uh, 18 and 19 of Colossians 2, where it says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head. That's Jesus. From whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. We'll mention Ephesians 4 in a moment, but this passage very similar, written close to the same time, about the same time as that passage. But it's this passage that where Paul says, look, uh, there are lots of false prophets out there. There are lots of deceptive philosophies out there. And some even say, hey, I've, I've had a vision. I've, I've, I've heard from God. And what he says here is, don't, don't worry about that. If they're going contrary to the word of God, they're false. No matter what they say, no matter what they claim to have seen, and they may believe that they saw that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But just like uh, in the Old Testament, Moses in Deuteronomy 13, you've heard me talk about that chapter before, but that chapter begins in Deuteronomy 13 by Moses himself recording under the, in the time of the law saying, look, you know, there, there are people out there that are going to be false prophets, and sometimes they're going to make a prophecy and it's going to come true. Impressive, right? But Moses goes on to say, but even if their prophecy comes true and they say to follow other gods, they go against the word of God, Moses says you're not to listen to them. Paul in Galatians 1, as you know, probably, verses 8 and 9, says, look, even if we or an angel from heaven were to come down and appear and give you some other gospel than what we have shared, let them be accursed. That'd be pretty impressive if an angel came down and said, I'm an angel from God, and this is what God's will is, well, we do what the Berean Christians did in Acts 17. It doesn't sound very fantastic, doesn't make any headlines. We go home and we read our Bible, and we listen to what that angel from heaven, uh, supposedly, has said, and we compare it with what God's word says, and if it goes against God's word, then they're to be rejected. Paul says in Colossians 2 that we just read, they are to be rejected, even if it sounds really good. And a lot of the philosophies and teachings that we hear today sound really good. And so we turn to that fourth chapter of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about unity and diversity. And then he says this, starting uh, in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. They're very cunning and they're very crafty. They're good at what they do and it sounds good. But the answer to that is being mature in your faith and maturity comes through an awareness of this book right here, through an awareness of the teaching of scripture. That's how we answer the confusion and the false prophets and the false teachers and the antichrists that are out there. Um, verse 15, instead of giving in to that deceitful, crafty scheming, instead, speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, that's the answer, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
The answer is to is a mature faith. How do you respond to all the craziness that's in our world today? How do you respond to all the, the cunning and deceitful scheming of false prophets and false teachers? Well, you respond by speaking the truth in love. You respond by going back to the scripture and saying, well, that's all well and good, but here's what the Bible says. I think I'm going to go with what the Bible says. Again, that's not, doesn't, it doesn't get a lot of clicks on Twitter or Facebook. Doesn't get a lot of likes, doesn't get a lot of headlines, doesn't get a lot of press. Nobody in the media is going to care. But that's what God's word says. And so we go with that. We go with that as simple as it sounds, as boring <laughs> as it sounds. That's been the answer since the days of Moses. That was the answer in the days of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, look, there's a lot of false prophets out there by their fruit. You will recognize them. And then he goes on in Matthew 7 and says, here's what I'm talking about. It's the ones who hear my word and actually are obedient to it. Just as he had said in the Gospel of John, if you love me, you will be obedient and keep my commandments. Uh, again, that doesn't sell a lot of newspapers, but it is exactly the will of the Father. Jesus came in the most humblest uh, the most humble of circumstances, and yet he was the Son of God. Why would we think that today the message of truth is going to be any different? It's not going to be this sensationalism that we hear in our world. It's going to be the simple word of God. And the ones who are going to survive are the ones who cling to that word in great humility, but in great conviction. Uh, are there false prophets in the world? Yes. Are there antichrists in the world? Yes. Are they trying to turn us away from God and his word? Yes, all, yes to all of those. But it doesn't have to be that way. One more scripture and then we'll turn back to um, 1 John 4. And that's found in 2 Peter 3. And it's another one of those that you've heard me mention before. But this time I want to mention that verse 18 that says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's put it together with the verse that precedes it. Verses 17 and 18 of 2 Peter 3. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But, just like in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 2, how do you combat that? How do you keep from doing that? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's how we fight off the false prophets. That's how we fight off the, the craziness and sensationalism of our day. We look to the word of God and we hold on to that word of God. We believe it enough to actually read it. <laughs> and as we read it, we seek to form our lives into obedience to it rather than making the word uh, follow whatever latest, greatest view we have. We get our views from the word of God and we... We try to live that out. And, and that's what 1 John uh, 4 is telling us to do. And it's giving us the power to be able to do just that. Um, John is very clear in these verses in 1 John 4. And we see it especially in the last half of, the cha of, that, of that passage. Verses 4 through 6. You, dear children are from God and have overcome them. Have overcome who? Well, it, we've overcome all of those that are those false teachers and false prophets and antichrists. 
that are trying to spread division and trying to spread confusion in the world and in the church and in people of faith. Um, scripture says we've already overcome them. Why? Because the end of verse 4 says this, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Well, who is it that's in us? Well, it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's Jesus Christ continuing his presence through the Holy Spirit. Just as he promised to those disciples when he said, look, I'm, I'm about to leave you. There are some bad things that are hours away from happening. And I'm going to leave you. But he says, my presence will continue with you. I won't leave you as orphans. He literally says that in John 14 and 15 and 16. He says, I, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I will send my comforter, my advocate, my presence, my spirit with you. And, uh, and I will be with you just as he promised when he ascended into heaven and gave that great commission. He said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And he is with us today through his Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And he is with us today through his Holy Word that gives us guidance and hope and peace and even joy in the midst of the worst of circumstances. It Sometimes we look around at our world today and we say, oh boy, things are just bad. And, and things are bad, I get that. I have a lot of concerns about where we are. But, but then I hear someone say, this has never been this bad. And I'm thinking, uh, come again? Not just reading the Bible, but just being aware of, of human history. Uh, really? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to look to some of those times in, in over the last, let's just say, 2,000 years since Jesus came and say, that what we're going through now is worse than then? Worse than when people were being thrown into arenas because they were Christians so that people could be entertained? Worse than the violence that we have seen in centuries past and throughout the world? Um, it doesn't mean that things aren't concerning now. It just means let's add some perspective, shall we? And the biggest perspective is this, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Just as Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, um, take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said with those disciples in John 17, hey, I'm as he prayed to the Father, he said, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for it because the world hated me because I was close to your word. And so it's, it's no surprise that things are difficult it doesn't make it fun. It doesn't make it easy, but it doesn't certainly shouldn't surprise us. They nailed Jesus to a cross. They beheaded Paul. They crucified Peter upside down. They uh, killed James, the apostle and brother of, of John, the apostle who's writing these words. He was one of the first martyrs and the very first apostle killed. Uh, it shouldn't surprise us that the world is going to react and respond to our message of truth and grace and hope and joy in the name of Jesus Christ um, with less than <laughs> encouraging words. And that's putting it mildly. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. First John 4 verse 4. And then verse 5, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Again, shouldn't be surprised. Jesus loved the world. God so loved the world, that great verse says in John 3, 16, that he sent his one and only son. 
Jesus, Jesus loved the world. God loves the world, but he doesn't love worldliness. And that's the difference. When we live in fear and anxiety and when we look to someone else to give us that hope and joy and protection and, and um, uh, power, uh, someone other than Jesus Christ, then we're barking up the wrong tree, as my family used to say. Uh, that's not the way to go. We're not going to find what we're looking for there. I think one thing this pandemic, one thing this political turmoil has hopefully reminded us Christians of is that our hope and our faith and our trust is solely and firmly in Jesus Christ and in his word that he has left us. And when we hold on to that, then we realize, you know, what, what, can, what can man do to me? Scripture asks. Uh, and the answer is, well, a lot. <laughs> Peter tells people who are being persecuted, you know, uh, trust in the Lord. After all, Isaiah says, what can, what can those who oppose God do to me? Well, they can do a lot, but they can't take our soul. And our eternal nature, our eternal soul will live forever. And there's nothing they can do about that. And, uh, and John reminds us of that. We are from God, verse 6 of 1 John 4 says, And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. There are many who oppose the word and will of God. And granted, we don't understand it completely. We are, we're human creatures stuck in a time and space and place that causes us to understand it only so well. But we understand it enough to put our faith and our trust and our hope in it. And if our faith and our trust and our hope is in anything but the word and will of God, it will not be enough. It will not be enough. And it will not stand. Um, so we, we hold on to this great verse. 1 John 4, verse 4. We hold on to the great promise that it gives us. That we are more than conquerors, as Romans 8 says, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, as the end of Romans 8 says. That, that Jesus has overcome the world, as John 16, 33 says. That the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. May God bless us all to remember and to count on that great, great truth and that great, great promise. Amen.